Well, good morning, Coastal. How are you guys doing this morning? Welcome, welcome, welcome to our uh, second week here in our new facility. Uh, we're glad you're here with us. Uh, my name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here, and, and we're pumped for this weekend. We're pumped for what God is doing in this place. And I was thinking about this week and, and, and what, you know, uh, we didn't really know when we were actually going to actually get in this facility, and so we weren't really sure what series to start, and so we decided we're not going to start any series until December, and we got a killer Christmas season coming up, and so you want to be here for the holidays. Uh, you want to you be at your church home for the holidays. I promise you that. Uh, we probably won't sing Christmas songs until Christmas Eve, just saying. Yes. Just, yes. Just, just quick, quick. How many of y'all have already got Christmas music on? How many of you got it on already? What is wrong with you? It's not even Thanksgiving yet. It's wrong. We're just skipping the thankful season. We're going straight to give me stuff and forgetting thankful. And so uh, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. But anyways, I was thinking, I was thinking, uh, just thinking about the season our church is in, and it got me thinking uh, a little over a year ago, I got invited by some friends out to Montana to go fly fishing and to to go hunting, which I don't, I don't really do those things. I'm not an outdoorsy kind of guy. Uh, if you get to know me, like I, I like hunting, but I like hunting in the malls of America for like a deal. You know, that's kind of it's kind of my style in life. I'm, I'm not really. I don't do outdoorsy stuff. But my friends convinced me to go fly fishing. I've, t I've told stories about that, but. One of the stories I haven't told is, is one day we, we were getting ready to go fly fishing, and they were telling me at the top of the little Bighorn River where all these the great uh, rainbow trout and all these other fish that I don't really know the name of, they swim in. Um, they said up top there's like this, this reservoir, and, and so like there's these cliffs, and it's beautiful, it's pristine. And uh, there's some opportunities, like you can, you can go jump off the cliffs, and, and this, it's like winter, it's like October time, so the, it's, it's 30, 40, 50 degrees outside, which means it's like 20 degrees in the water, and I'm like, I want to go do that, because I like anything stupid and dumb, like sign me up. That's my MO. As you get to know me as a pastor, you'll, you'll figure out that like if, it, if you can die, I'm probably game. Um, just, I don't know what it is, it's just, it, I like it, and so we went there, and we pull up there, and they row us up to this spot. There's a group of us in boats, and they say, hey, you can, you can jump off from that ledge up there, but you gotta, you got to climb up. And so, so I get out of my boat, and, and, and you kind of strip down because you don't want to jump in with jackets and stuff. And so I climb up. The, I, I, like, it's like rock climbing up this cliff. I mean, it was, I felt like climbing up the cliff was more dangerous than actually getting up on the cliff. But how many of you know when you're down on the ground, things don't look really too high? But when you get up on that height and you look down, all of a sudden it looks a whole lot higher. Anybody ever experienced that before? That was, that was kind of my scenario. I was like, oh, that doesn't look that high. And when I got up there, I was like, oh, shoot, this was a bad decision. And, uh, but, but I looked around. I had all my friends there. And I was like, man, I'm going for it. And so I kind of stepped back. And I, I just took off running. And I just jumped off this cliff cannonballed into the water and it was like the most exhilarating feeling and so I decided I'm gonna go back up again what well, about that time this family had pulled up and rode up in their in their uh 
their, their boat, and uh, these kids were encouraging their dad, Dad, you should go, you should go jump off the cliff. And, and so this, this, this gentleman followed me up the cliff. I get up there, I'm up there with all my pastor friends, and they're all jumping off one at a time. And it's finally, it's myself and this other guy standing up top, and I'm like, hey, boss, um, do you, do you want to go first? I'll, I'll, I'll let you go first. I'll give you the honors. He's like, no, no, you just go ahead. And I was like, all right. And so I just take off, and I jump, and I try to get his family wet. That was my goal. And uh and so, but his kids, so we're, I'm, I'm down, I finally get in my boat, I've got all these blankets and stuff on, I've got the, the hand warmer things he used for skiing, trying to, try not to get hypothermia, and, uh, and so we're all sitting around this spot, waiting for this dad to jump off, his kids are, come on, dad, come on, you know, we're like, come on, guy, you know, we don't know his name, and, and uh, you know, everybody is there encouraging him, we know the thrill of what it will do for him, and for his children, like the man that he will become in their eyes. And so we're encouraging him in that moment. And, and this guy literally walks up to the edge. And he gets his toes right over the edge. And he looks down. And we think, man, he's, he's going to do it. This is going to be awesome. And uh, he slowly takes a step back. And he starts to traverse down the cliff by hand and in that moment that man lost all dignity his man no I'm just <laughs> <laughs> you all were thinking it come on let's be honest You're like, I was thinking it at that moment but but I thought to myself how many times in life does God call us to a ledge To jump off into an unknown that is exhilarating, that is refreshing, that is life-changing. And because it's unfamiliar, because it's not clear what the experience is going to be, because we've never done it before, instead of stepping off, we step back. And we miss out on the incredible promise that God had for us in that moment. And I think the reason a lot of us in that moment don't do it is because instead of living with strength and courage, we live with fear and doubt. And God is not calling us as individuals. He's not calling us as a church to live in fear and doubt, but I believe that God today is calling us to live with strength and courage. That God is trying to strengthen us and he's trying to encourage us. And we're going to be looking at a story today where I, I believe that, that it, it is a story that is all about this. In fact, it's found in Joshua chapter 1. And God tells Joshua in the first nine verses three different times. He says, hey, I want you to be strong and courageous. Listen, for where you're going in life, you're going to need some strength and you're going to need some courage because what God knew about Joshua's situation is they had been traveling in the desert for 40 years and God was now calling them to go into a promised land. But inside of that promised land, inside of your potential, inside of your future, there are going to be some obstacles, there are going to be some barriers. Everybody thinks, man, God's got a great call for my life and it's going to be rainbows and butterflies the entire way, right? It's going to be like... It's going to be like uh, 
walking down the yellow brick road. It's going to be just easy. But what God knows is that there are 31 kings that Joshua is going to need to defeat in order to take hold of the promised land. And I believe that there are some things in our lives that we're going to need some strength and we're going to need some courage for in order to defeat so that we can walk in the promised land that God has for every single one of our life. And the very nature of our faith, the very nature of Christianity is, is, is calling us to be strong and courageous for Christ. He's calling us out into that kind of life. And he's calling us from a wilderness place, from the current place we are, into a promised land. But we're going to need his strength in his courage. And so we're going to start looking at Joshua chapter 1. And I think that this was a prophetic word, which is God that was speaking about the future to, to Joshua. He's saying, listen, you're going to need to hear this. And I believe he's speaking that to us today. He's saying, listen, you're going to need to hear this for this next season of your life. You're going to need to hear this for this next decision you're going to make. And this is what it says in Joshua chapter 1, starting in verse 1. It says, after the death of Moses, the Lord's servant, the Lord spoke to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' assistant. He said, Moses, my servant, is dead. Therefore, the time has come for you to lead these people, the Israelites, across the Jordan River into the land that I am giving them. I promise you what I promised Moses. Wherever you set your foot, you will be on land I have given you. From the Negev wilderness into the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north, from the Euphrates River in the east, to the Mediterranean Sea in the west, including all the land of the Hittites. And so God is saying, listen, if we're going to have, if we're going to be strong and we're going to have courage, there are some things that we're going to need to recognize that God is trying to do in our life right now. And so if you're taking notes today, I believe that God is saying, number one, our courage begins with a clear assignment from God. Our courage begins with, we can say it another way, our courage begins with a clear purpose from God. It begins with some clarity. And we live in a day and an age where commitment is not very great. Where nobody wants to commit to anything. Nobody wants to jump off the ledge because we never know what might happen if we don't jump off the ledge. And so instead of jumping off the ledge, I'm not going to jump off the ledge. But if I do jump off, there's a lot of FOMO out there, right? You guys know what FOMO is? No. Okay. Fear of missing out. Now you know what FOMO is? Okay. Just, I, I don't want to use slang lang language that nobody knows that I only speak. Uh, I could put it in rap form, but we won't do that today. So somebody over here is like, please don't do that. Uh, and so what happens in life is a lot of us are living with FOMO, and so we're not committing to anything. We don't commit to church. We don't commit to relationships. We don't commit to our jobs. And so we're churning things over all the time because we're always looking for what's next instead of going and realizing that when God calls us to something, he calls us to something with clarity that is precise and clear. And the reason why a lot of us are not committed to anything is because we don't have a clear assignment. And here's what happens when you don't have a clear assignment or a clear purpose in life. You'll say yes to all the wrong things. Because you don't have clarity on what you're supposed to be doing or where you're supposed to be going. You'll say yes to the wrong things and no to the right things. And here's a really, really freeing thing. When you start to get clarity of what God wants you to do, it becomes really easy to say no to the wrong things. There's nothing more freeing than go, having Brandon right here invite me to a Miami Hurricanes game, and I would tell him, no, I'm a Notre Dame fan. We don't go to convicts games. <laughs> I got clarity there. <laughs> if you're a Hurricanes fan this year, it's bad for y'all. It's bad. 
And so I have clarity of a vision, and so it makes it really, really easy for me. But the, here's the reality. A lot of us, the reason we don't say no is because we're more concerned with pleasing people than we are pleasing God. Some of y'all need to hear that again. Let me back that up. Some of y'all are more concerned with pleasing people than you are pleasing God. And so you'll say yes to the wrong things instead of saying no to them so I can say yes to what God is calling me to do. See, discouragement is, means literally without courage. He, and, and when you don't have a clear assignment, you'll never have courage for that purpose. See, I, I, I learned this a long time ago. Uh, a pastor named Chris Hodges challenged a lot of us uh, on staff at, at a conference to be clear on some things we want to accomplish in life. And so I have a bucket list. Anybody out there have a bucket list? Anybody, a couple of people. If you don't know what a bucket list is, it's basically things you want to do before you kick the bucket. And so, uh, and so I started writing down things that I wanted to accomplish before I kicked the bucket. I shared one of them recently with a guy that we're leading a connect group with. I said, hey, I want to, I want to do a full Ironman. I know I don't look like I could ever do that, but like with God, all things are possible, right? And so but one of my things on my bucket list is, is I want to swim with great white sharks. I don't, I don't know why that is. It's, it sounds stupid. And so I, I was like, good, that's a good item, number two. Uh, <laughs> and so uh, my wife and I, we were in South Africa after being at our church in, in Africa on a mission trip. And we, we decided to take a little bit of vacation down in Cape Town. And, and when we got there, my wife said, hey, I, I, I've been, I'd been researching before we got here. And uh, I booked you a trip to go. Cage, cage diving with great white sharks. And I was like, no way. We're going to go cage diving with great white sharks? She's like, no, you're going to go cage white diving with great white sharks. I'm going to go to the spa. And I was like, whatever. And, uh, and so she's like, but here's the deal. Uh, because of the weather right now, you're going to have to call to make sure they're going to go out. And so every day I was calling to see, hey, are you guys going out today? Because the swales were like 15, 16 foot tall and it's freezing water. And, and every day I was calling, they're going, no, we're not going out. It's too dangerous, too dangerous, too dangerous. Finally, like two days before we're about to leave, I call them, hey, is it, we're we, we going to go? They're like, hey, we're going to go out today no matter what. And so I jump in my car in the wrong side of the, in what would be our passenger seat, and I drive there on the wrong side of the road and didn't kill anybody. It was a miracle of God. And uh, we get there, we jump on this boat. It's myself and a, a group of other tourists and and they take us out to this place called Seal Island. Now, what I come to find out is, is, is great white sharks like to snack on seals. And so they think it's a good idea to put you in a black wetsuit that looks like a seal and throw you in water with, with dummy seals out there so that you'll attract the great white sharks. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know if I'm tracking with that, but I, like, I'm game. And so, uh, and so we get out there. I mean, it, the, the swales are huge. And uh, they get out there. And we say, said, hey, we normally wouldn't put in like this, but I know that, you know, we haven't been able to come out for a couple days do any of you guys want to jump in and I'm like I, me me and uh they throw me in a wetsuit I jump in this this cage and for like the next hour I get to see all of these great white sharks come up and try to eat me it was awesome <laughs> literally a 14 foot they said it was a it was a four ton great white came up and and like knocked my my cage and 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 in that moment I'll be honest with you I peed my pants I was <laughs> Out of fear and for warmth, just just this combination of both, TMI probably for church, but it's all good. And uh, listen, you're going to get transparency here, probably too transparent at times. Um, and uh, 
they finally pulled me out of, of the cage. And as I got out of the cage, everybody on board, they decided they didn't want to get in the cage because there were these crazy swales had gotten sick the entire time. So they were chumming it up for me, setting me up. I didn't even know that. Um, but it was really, really easy for me to make a decision to go swimming in some peril times with great white sharks because I had a clear of vision. I had a clear assignment of what I wanted to accomplish in my life. In fact, when Shayla and I moved to South Florida a little over nine years ago to start Coastal Community Church, we, people would come up to us and, and say, why, why, like, how long are you going to be there? I mean, is that going to be like a forever thing? I mean, don't you get discouraged doing that? And I'd go, man, yeah, I get discouraged. But listen, I'm going to be here forever. Why? Because God called me here. And so I'm not looking for another job. This, this is my job. This is my assignment of life. And so some of you right here today, you're afraid of some decisions. You're scattered in your decisions. And what I would tell you is you need to understand your assignment from God. Because your assignment from God is to possess the promised land that he has for you. Quit living in your desert and start moving towards your promised land. And don't think that God doesn't have something for you because this is what it says in Ephesians. It says, for we are God's masterpiece. Do you realize that you are God's masterpiece? You are an incredible work of God. It says that he created us anew in Christ Jesus so that we could do good things he planned for us a long time ago. So what that means is that God has got a plan for you. And if you don't know his plan, then maybe it's time to start listening. Is maybe it's time for you to start to realize that because in Joshua chapter 1, it says the Lord spoke to Joshua. If God spoke to Joshua, he'll speak to you. He'll give you some clarity on that. And then when he gives you that clarity, you need to have some bold obedience in that moment. You need to be courageous. It's not just to be courageous to be courageous. You're to be courageous on assignment. The reason God gives you courage is so you can walk in faith and remember that, that what God is doing, he's been trying to do all along. And here's what I've realized is most people in life, we don't quit because there's some obstacles or opposition. Most people quit things because there's a lack of clarity. Because I'm not real sure what I am supposed to do. But here's what I know. Craig Rochelle says something brilliant. He says, to step towards your destiny, you have to step away from your security. And a lot of us, we've latched too hard to our security instead of our destiny. Jesus actually says you'll have to lose your life to gain it. Sometimes you have to leave some behind some good things for some great things. Now, that doesn't mean that it's not going to be hard. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 43, uh, God actually says this. He says, do not be afraid for I've ransomed you. That means he's gone and done whatever. He says, I've called you by name. You are mine. When you go through deep waters, which means, you know what that's going to mean? You're going to go through some deep waters. You're going to go through some difficulties. He says, I will be with you. He says, when you go through the rivers of difficulty, anybody ever experienced some rivers of difficulty? They're, the rapids are kind of rough, kind of hard. He also says, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, 
You will not be burned up. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. He's basically saying it's going to be hard. Stepping into your destiny, stepping into your assignment, the clarity of that is going to be hard. But don't worry, I'm going to be with you. He says, you're not going to go this path alone. And listen, there's some of you here today. It says Joshua was Moses' assistant. He was literally in the background for 40 years. And I believe that there's some of you. You have been in the background for a period of time. And God is saying, listen, it's time for you to stop being in the background and start to step into the leadership that I've called you to be in. It's time for some of you to start that business that I've been pushing on you about. For some of you, it's time to start that family. For some of you, it's time for you to ask that girl out that you've been sitting next to at church for three years that you've been afraid of asking out. Come on, ladies. Can I get an amen? It's time. He's saying it's time to step up. He's saying it's a new day. It's a new generation. There's a new thing that I'm trying to do here, and it involves you. Listen, church, we're in a new day. We're in a new generation right here in Parkland, Florida, and God wants to use you to make an impact. He wants to use us corporately to make an impact. Listen, this, there's no greater time than right now to possess this land. But he says everywhere we take a step. Some of us are going to have to take some steps. We're going to have to step out and invite some friends. We're going to have to step out and invite some family. We're going to have to take a bold step. Continue on in verse 5. It says, no one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. He says, as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Here it is. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. He says, be very strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So he says, courage happens when you have a clear assignment. But it also, number two, if you're taking notes, courage is grown in God's presence. He says courage is grown in God's presence. He says, the Lord will be with you. He says, I will be with you two different times in that thing. And listen, God never calls us to do anything apart from him. Everything that he's calling us to do, he wants us to do it with him. The kings and the 31 kings, the difficulties in your life, you are not meant to overcome those alone. You're meant to overcome those from the strength of God that he gives you. Now think about this. For 40 years, Joshua rolled with Moses. And Moses' whole MO as he was leading the children of Israel through the desert is he would follow a cloud by day 
in a fire by night that represented God's presence. In fact, in Numbers chapter 9, it actually says this. Whenever the cloud lifted from over the sacred tent, the people of Israel would break camp and follow it. Whenever the cloud settled, the people of Israel would set up camp. Sometimes the cloud stayed only overnight and lifted the next day. But whether the cloud was a day or night, Whenever it lifted, the people broke camp and moved. In other words, what it said is, is it said Moses was very, very driven based on God's presence. In fact, in Numbers, uh, in the next verse, can you guys switch to the next verse? I don't care about the rest of that. Yeah. <laughs> Exodus 33, there it is. Can you guys throw that up there for me? Exodus 33. It says, Moses actually said to God, my presence will go with you and I will give you the rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? What Moses was basically saying is that, God, your presence is all that matters. Listen, church, God's presence is all that matters. What separates this from another, just another good self-help talk is the very presence of God. It's what's going to distinguish us between a person out there that just lives a good life and a person in here that lives a God life. It's God's presence. And, and Joshua learned from watching Moses the importance of God's presence. He goes, listen, if Moses wouldn't go anywhere without God's presence, neither am I. And so when he's getting ready to cross the Jordan River to go into the promised land, you know what he does first? He sends the Ark of the Covenant before him representing God's presence. Listen, I'm not going to go anywhere without God's presence leading me there. In church, we need to be a presence-driven people. And, and if we're going to live with courage and if we're going to live with strength, we've got to make God's presence a priority in our life. You know where God's presence shows up? In the praise of his people. So when we come together here and we worship and, and we gather and we sing, what a beautiful name it is. I won't sing it for you because I don't want to ruin the song. But when we gather here and we start singing and magnifying God, you know what? His praise and his presence inhabits us. It's one of the reasons why I said last week, man, we should get speeding tickets getting here because we can't wait to be in God's presence together. And we can check all the distractions. We can check all the garbage. We can check what somebody did on the way here at the door. And we can just come in here and be in God's presence now, what's crazy is roughly 70% of Americans claim to be Christians. Only 23% of them attend church regularly, and by regularly, they mean once a month. So that means that of the 168 hours a week, 720 hours a month, only one hour is spent in a corporate setting in God's presence together. And most people would say the reason why is their life is just too busy. Isn't it? No wonder that we want the world a whole lot more than we want God's presence when we haven't prioritized it. And we wonder why we're not strong and courageous when we haven't made his presence a priority because that's where courage is grown. That's why David said in Psalms 84, it's not in your notes. He said, how lovely is your dwelling place. O Lord of the heaven's armies, I long, yes, I even faint, longing to enter the courts of the Lord. May my whole being and body and soul, I will shout joyfully to the living God. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand elsewhere. 
I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than to live a good life in the homes of the wicked. He says in Psalms 97.5, mountains melt like wax in the presence of God. See, when we got in God's presence, what it does is it changes things. That obstacle that looks like a mountain becomes a molehill in scope and scale when you get in God's presence. It's one of the reasons why our courage gets grown there. Because God changes our perspectives in that moment. And so courage begins with a clear assignment. Number two, it's grown in God's presence. Number three, courage must be anchored in God's word. Verses 7 and 8, it says, Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law, meaning God's word, depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. And so in order for us to have courage, God's word must move from communication to meditation to application. How does that look? What does it look like? I, I, I put it like this, man. It, it, we've got to speak it. God's word has got to be something that comes out of our mouth. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. Well, how do you hear God's word? You've got to start speaking that thing out in your life. You've got to start to make God's word coming off of your lips. You've got to find some verses. You've got to find some things that will help you find victory in your life. In fact, as Joshua went into the land, as they came to Jericho, how did they see the walls of Jericho come down? It was with a shout of victory. It was when they started speaking what God had said that walls came down and I believe that as we start speaking what God has said that walls literally in our life will come down strongholds will come down addictions will come down brokenness will come down not only do we need to speak it but we need to think it he says meditate on it day and night so in order for it to come out of your mouth is going to be inside of you. David says, your word I've hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. You take it and you let it cultivate. Some things don't grow up overnight when you plant them in the ground. Sometimes they take a season. They take some watering. It takes some effort. It takes some tilling. It, it takes, hey, this is what God says, and this is what I've thought. I'm going to keep saying what God says until that thought that I used to think is gone. That happens in meditation. And finally, we've got to do it. So we've got to speak it, we've got to think it, we've got to do it. It says, do everything written in it. Notice the word everything. The Greek meaning for the word everything is everything you're like give me uh, the new international ver version translation it says all the meaning for the Greek word for all is all the problem is for so many of us we have watered down God's word and we've picked and chosen well I like this I want this to apply to my life but I don't like what it says right there so I'm going to disregard that and we wonder where its power is in our life. So what happens to us is we'll, we'll come into church and 
God will speak to you. It's not me speaking. That's his Holy Spirit working in your life. People come up to me all the time and say, but it was amazing when you said this. And I'm like, I didn't say that. Well, somebody said it. That was God. And God will say, you know what? Hey, you need to go forgive that person. Hey, you need to deal with that issue. Hey, you need to start giving of yourself and serving some people. Hey, you need to trust me with your finances. And we'll hear that. And we'll be convicted by that. And then for whatever reason, we don't totally obey it. And so we give some partial obedience, but not full obedience. It reminds me of a story my pastor would tell all the time. My pastor is from Louisiana, and uh, he tells Boudreaux and Thibodeau jokes. And uh, I'm not from Louisiana, so I don't, I don't, I don't talk how they talk. Like, I, you can understand me. And so um, <laughs> I have an education. They don't. I, what do I, you know, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm sorry if you're from Louisiana. I just couldn't help it. You're like 49th on every list. Arkansas is 50th. Sorry, Josh, wherever you are. And so uh, it's, uh, and uh, so he always tells Boudreaux and Thibodeau jokes, and, and Boudreaux is like a common uh, Cajun last name. And he says, he tells his joke, and I, I'll never forget it. He says, Boudreaux is driving down the street, and he's coming up to a stop sign. And as he's, he's getting close to the stop sign, he, he slows down. And as he gets closer, he continues to slow down. And, and he looks around. He doesn't see anybody around. And so he just kind of coasts through that stop sign. And, and lo and behold, a police officer comes up behind him and turns on the lights and walks up to his car and kind of knocks on the window. And Boudreaux brings his window down. He says, Boudreaux, you, you know why I'm pulling you over? And he goes, no, officer, why you pull me over? He goes, uh, well, when, when, when that stop sign back there, did you see that stop sign? Yes, sir, I saw that stop sign. He goes, he goes well, well, why didn't you stop at that stop sign? He says, well, well I, I, I slowed down. And the officer takes out his stick and starts hitting Boudreaux profusely over and over again. He goes, Boudreaux, do you want me to slow down or do you want me to stop? <laughs> I know that that's completely wrong in this day and age, but it's funny. I don't care who you are. We understand the concept, though. Why do we only go part way when God has called us to go all the way? Try going part way on your mortgage. See how that works for you. We'll say, God, man, I'll give you my life. But don't touch this relationship. God, I'll give you my heart. But let's not talk about my money. God, I'll follow you. Except for over there. Here's something a lot of us need to hear. Living in God's promised land for you is not dependent on God's faithfulness. It's dependent on your obedience. Because God is faithful. The question is, is will we be obedient? Will we speak it? Will we think it? But then will we move to doing it? And I believe that if we're going to live in all that God has for us. We've got to move out of our desert into the promises that God has. And you've got to know that you've got this assignment from God to be victorious by trusting Him and walking in faith. And you've got to prioritize His presence over everything else in life. And you've got to anchor your life in His presence.